Welcome to the Confessions of a Codependent podcast. I am your host, Jenny Red Pill Rage Eon. Very, very proud to be bringing you my only non-political podcast. Something a little deeper, something a little bit more meaningful, something I think we can cross party lines in terms of how many of us suffer from the terrible pain of living a life with codependency. On this podcast, we are going to be talking about everything from personality disorders, narcissistic abuse, prevention, narcissistic abuse healing, narcissistic abuse survival. We're going to be talking about dating uh, tips, toxic fawning. We're going to talk about fight, flight, fawn, or freeze responses. Things not to say to someone who is a trauma survivor. We're going to talk about PTSD. Also the difference between PTSD and complex PTSD. We're going to talk about what self-care is, and what it isn't. We are going to be covering so many incredible topics and hopefully discussing tools that can help us along our journey to become healthier, more self-loving individuals who can truly find love in this world, truly find purpose, and truly live with lion-like courage. So shout out to Codependence Anonymous. Go visit the website coda.org. Let's get started. Hey everyone, happy to have you back for another episode of Confessions of a Codependent. And boy, and literally for the boys, uh, it's going to be a doozy. This is buckle up. This is going to be a rough ride. Today's topic is the male borderline, and in particular, a statement that I have to defend because I put it in the title, male borderlines are dangerous because they're fragile. We're going to take a deeper dive into this. In the last episode, we, uh, we covered the definition of borderline personality disorder. Then we covered how it differs from bipolar Personal, I, I don't even think bipolar is a personality disorder. I feel like that's more of a, well, maybe it is, but whatever, you know, whatever it is, um, it's definitely different than bipolar, but it is something that uh, gets misdiagnosed up to 40% of the time. BPDs are being misdiagnosed as borderlines. Now, <clears throat> confessions of a codependent, why am I going to talk so much about borderlines? Because part of this podcast, we're going to have a lot of episodes about personality disorder. And I want to illustrate to everyone how easy it is for things to get misdiagnosed, mislabeled, misunderstood, um, how popular trends and, you know, even the mental health awareness culture of, you know, say Instagram, how even that can be misleading and the goal of this podcast of, at all times, above anything and everything else, is to destigmatize mental health issues by getting help for mental health issues. We cannot prove to the world <clears throat> that borderlines are safe and lovable, that codependents are safe and lovable, that... Um, Former and current people pleasers are safe and lovable. 
We cannot prove that a former flying monkey is safe and lovable until we prove that we are capable of owning our shit, getting help, and being willing above everything else to have our higher power remove these defects of character. I'm going to talk about substance abuse. I'm going to talk about military PTSD. I'm going to talk about sexual uh, sexual assault PTSD. I'm going to talk about the PTSD that comes from um, natural disasters and environment and car accidents and how even that can tie into becoming a codependent person. I'm going to talk about tons of subjects, okay? So... But one of the major ones that we have to start off with is borderlines. Borderlines are some of the most underdiagnosed and misunderstood mental health, uh, mental illnesses, personality disorders that is out there right now. I asked my therapist a long time ago, I asked her, how many borderlines ask the question, I said, like, how many of your clients who are borderlines ask the questions that I ask you? And you know what my therapist said to me? She said, I don't treat very many borderlines. She says, very few borderlines actually come out for help. And I thought to myself, that is such a shame. Because the great thing about borderline personality disorder is that it does not, and I'm not a doctor here, so don't get mad at me in the comments, all right? But for the most part, it does not need to be treated with medication. Now, there may be, <clears throat> there may be secondary and tertiary manifestations of borderline personality that need medication, such as anxiety, panic, obsessive compulsive disorder, all of those things result from borderline personality disorder. All of those things. Depression, suicidal ideation, that's all part of borderline personality disorder. So you perhaps as a patient, you perhaps need to get medicated for those side effects, the manifestations, the psychological and physical manifestations of what you're struggling with. But the root cause itself, the trauma and the shadow work that you need to do, that does not need medication. What that needs is 12 step. What that needs is dialectical therapy. What that needs is EMDR therapy. What that needs is creating a safety net of people around yourself that you can really trust and not just blindly trust them with your emotional pain and your friendship, but to be very, very, very discriminant about who you share your pain with. But the point is, you've got to share your pain with somebody. Bordered lines are the easiest to get through. They're the easiest to cure. It's all a matter of shifting the mindset from victimhood to victory. <clears throat> 
shifting the, the, the decision-making process from people-pleasing to accomplishing outcomes. It's from shifting the mindset from procrastination, fear of failure, fear of success, excuse me, um, <clears throat> fear of even trying and perfectionism to shift that mindset to having a mindset of say, you know what, if I fail, who cares? If I fall on my face, who cares? If I embarrass myself, who cares? If I lose a little bit of money, who cares? At least I fucking tried. That is how you overcome borderline personality disorder. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's mental. It's cognitive. It's definitely interpersonal. Borderlines should not isolate. Borderlines should learn to become more social and learn to problem solve interpersonally. One of the, oh, another thing I want to talk about. Let me go ahead and uh, stop this segment. We're going to get into something even deeper before I give you my confession. You know, part of 12 step is we kind of have, not we kind of, one of the steps is that we have to face our defects of character. And we have to be honest about how many times we've lied about ourselves. Okay, so you know what? Actually, we are going to merge two segments into one. My confessional is going to be the lies that I have told myself, and I am going to use the definition of Sigma personality to illustrate the lie that I've told myself. So before we get started, I need to get some water. <laughs> All right. So let me define for you what Sigma personality is. And before we get started with that, um, I'm sure many of you are very well aware of the socio-sexual hierarchy in men and women. So it starts with the alpha, and equal to the alpha is the sigma. Underneath the alpha is the beta, the delta, the gamma, and the omega. Okay, so oftentimes on my political stuff, you'll he hear me talk about alpha and beta males. Um, we are definitely going to talk about alpha and beta males in this episode. Um, but Sigma, Sigma is a personality type that gets very, very much overlooked. And let me read you the definition. The Sigma and alpha are equal. The Sigma male sits outside the hierarchy by his own choice. So essentially we as Sigmas, and I've always considered, I used to consider myself an alpha female, but now I don't anymore. I consider myself a Sigma female, but it's a cop out. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. This is my confession. Sigmas have a lot of the same character traits as alphas. Definitely leaders, even if not by their own choice. Definitely um, independent thinkers. Um, willing to... Uh, go outside the norms, willing to fight, very good survivalists, uh, very sexual, um, um, sexual per, uh, personality, you know. <sighs> but the difference between an alpha and a sigma is this. The alpha is only at the top of the food chain because they have to be in the care or in the leadership 
of all of the betas and deltas underneath them. Okay. A sigma is the lone wolf. A sigma can possess all of the alpha traits and choose to separate from society, separate from the pack and do their own thing. So in many cases, they are interchangeable. You know, I would like to think that an alpha male who, you know, maybe he's um, the alpha on a team or alpha on the, uh, in, in business world, you know, may not necessarily be an alpha male all the time. Maybe he's an only an alpha male externally. And then at home, just, you know, kind of, kind of does his own thing. Maybe is cool with the bachelor life, cool with the single life, or, you know, cool with, um, having a, uh, a, um, a, a common law type of relationship as opposed to having a, uh, marriage certificate. Um, a Sigma, but, but let me give you another definition. Sigma, a Sigma is intimidating, loyal, emotional, and is very elusive. Elusive is a great word for Sigma says Spencer, adding that Sigmas are very like, very like alphas, but with all the feels she goes on to explain Sigmas are intriguing and powerful, easily commanding attention, but also happy to step back when the need suits them. The biggest definition is that the alpha needs to please the pack to certain degree. Okay. Part of leadership, unfortunately means you need to please the pack or you, you need to at least, uh, please the majority of the pack. So they respect you to some degree. Okay. The Sigma doesn't feel the need to do that. The Sigma doesn't feel the need to do that. Okay. Sigmas. Uh, let's see. Sigma is a personality archetype of a dominant introvert who is self-reliant and independent. Their power does not come from social hierarchy. It rather comes from their being. Sigma males or females value themselves and respect others. Instead of relying on power dynamics to feel confident, they claim their individuality with their naturally powerful presence. Oh, that's definitely me. Usually extroverts strive to be alpha males or females as it fits their style. On the other hand, introverts are a better match to fit the archetype of a sigma male or female. Okay. So, uh, I'm not going to go into any more of that, but that's basically it. Okay. So here's how, here's my confession. I have used the idea of being a sigma to excuse my fear of commitment, my fears of abandonment, my irresponsibility with certain relationships that I've had, my irresponsibility with certain homes that I've been in. I've used the idea of being an adventurous bond girl slash free spirit slash Sigma female I've used that as an excuse to be unstable. I've also used it as an excuse to push people away, treat people badly. Because remember, I'm a Sigma. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks of me. We are Sigmas. 
We are lone wolves. We are armies of one. We work alone. We know how to entertain ourselves. We know how to feed ourselves. We know how to get what we need to get. We know how to go where we need to go. And if we don't like something, we don't have these social and interpersonal constraints to hold us back from getting the hell out of Dodge if that's what we choose to do. But guess what comes with that? Codependent, codependence. Guess what comes with that? What comes with that is more unstable relationships, more unsafe and unstable living situations, being thrown into being thrown into ways where uh, or being thrown into uh, situations where we don't have um, a good foundation of support, a good network of support because we've moved around so much or we've been so antisocial because we don't have that good network of support sometimes we 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 fall into the traps that the new people in our lives can often set for us sometimes the sigmas we wear those rose-colored glasses that make us not realize how bad things really fucking are because we don't have the social network around us to keep us from falling. One of the reasons we are so self-reliant and such great problem solvers, yes, it's because we're smart and adaptive and resourceful and industrious, of course, but it's also because we're disconnected, afraid of intimacy, afraid of abandonment, perhaps not always having the best communication skills because again, as Sigma, we do not roll in packs. So we do not cater to social uh, niceties the way others do. We do not possess the social graces that others might possess because we do not surround ourselves with people at all or if we do surround ourselves with people, we surround ourselves with people who don't, um, who, who, who perhaps don't, uh, who aren't totally off put by our senses of humors. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, that's my confession. I've lied to myself by passing, passing off my instability excusing it through the lens of being a Sigma female. So for the uh, <laughs> topic of the hour, so I got, sorry, I got so sidetracked, but I'm glad that talking about um, Sigma and Alpha would naturally lead us into beta males. And I think it's pretty safe to say that most male borderlines are beta males or the majority of their personality is beta male. Okay. Now I can definitely say that I've known a lot of toxic men that externally are very, very alpha, uh, muscles, athletes, you know, veterans, you name it, you know, cops, <laughs> 
all kinds of, you know, uh, soldiers, all, everyone, you know what I mean? Um, business owners, musicians, like all kinds of, of alpha males, but their maturity level is that of a beta male. So externally, their lives might seem very together. They might be very A-type personality. They might be uh, very rigid, very disciplined in certain areas of their life. And that could have a little tiny bit to do with their insecurity, and which insecurity and vanity tend to go hand in hand. But I, yeah, we're going to talk about the beta beta males, okay? And the statement that I'm sticking with is that male borderlines are dangerous because they're fragile. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the male borderline personality first, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, how the MGTOWs and the incels and, you know, not all of the red pill community, but much of the red pill community. And I, I think it's safe for me to say this after having been around the manosphere and dealt with a lot of people who men who've been in it. These guys are talking a bunch of shit. Most of them are not the alpha males that they present themselves to be. Um, it's all, it's all an internet circle jerk to attack women because these men have not made good life choices or these men are not desirable. And they hate the fact that women even without being masculine, even without being um, career women, and even without being sluts, the type of women that they're attracted to are not attracted to them and they just can't deal with it. Um, I'm still a huge supporter of men's rights. I definitely think there needs to be more equity and equality in the family law systems. There's a lot of great dads out there who are not able to see their kids. There's a lot of great um, hardworking men whose, whose businesses, homes, finances have been destroyed by a spiteful, nasty, low-down woman seeking more alimony than she deserves. There, I've, I've heard so many horror stories of custody, fathers not being out, you know, even being told that their children have leukemia, um, not being invited to funerals. I mean, just horrible, horrible things. And I will always respect men. I will always love toxic masculinity. It's the kind of masculinity I want, the alpha and sigma masculinity. That's what I'm attracted to. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So let's start off with, um, um, this is from verywellhealth.com borderline personality disorder in men. This was published on or updated on March 10th, 2021. This is by Kimberly uh, Charlson. Okay. Borderline personality BPD is a mental health disorder. A person living with BPD has moods that change a lot. The patterns also affect how they feel about themselves, self-image and other people. It can also affect how they act behavior. More women are diagnosed with BPD than men. However, researchers think that many men living with BPD do not know that they have it. Okay, now remember, didn't I just say that 40% of BPD diagnoses were misdiagnosed as bipolar, okay? So we're about to find out the other disorders 
that are being misdiagnosed as well. Okay. There are ways, there are a few ways that BPD is different for men than it is for women, including one, men living with BPD might feel or act differently than women living with the condition. People living with BPD can also have other health conditions. These are called comorbidities. The other conditions that men with BPD might have not might not be the same ones that women have. Men and women living with BPD tend to get different types of treatment. Yes, they get different types of treatment because they get different types of diagnoses. This article will help you understand what living with BPD is like for men. It will also talk about why men living with BPD are not diagnosed as often as women. Okay. All right. People living with BPD have a hard time controlling their feelings and behavior. They may feel intense anger, depression, and anxiety. They might feel this like this for hours or days at a time. People living with BPD may do dangerous or harmful things like driving in an unsafe way or taking risks when having sex. These actions can make it hard for people living with BPD to have relationships. Now, going back to incels and porn addicts, okay? You have to understand that the, the, the type of sexual behavior that they're talking about with BPD is promiscuity. Uh, risky sexual behavior with, with women, unprotected sex, it's the same on the women's side, okay? But men with BPT, BPD also tend to have, especially the incels, they tend to be the porn addicts, okay? These are also going to be the guys, and do not ask me how I know this. That's a story we're going to tell for another episode, another confession. <laughs> but these are the dudes that are at the gangbangs, at the uh, at the sex parties, and the swinger clubs, and the swinger parties, Okay. These are the dudes. They never show up with dates. Okay. They never get a one-on-one -on -one girl. These are the bottom of the barrel. The ones that wait for the old 60 year old, uh, uh, trophy wife, slutty, nasty old lady to take nine or 10 or nine or 10 dudes in every hole at, at one time. Those are the dudes that are the BPDs. Okay. All right. Uh, people with BPD may have mood swings. They may not be sure about how they see themselves and may not be sure what their role in life is. Their interests and values can change quickly. Okay. People living with BPD often see the world in extremes. This is called black and white thinking. For example, they think people are either all good or all bad with no middle ground. This is called splitting. A person with living with BPD might change their opinions about people often. For example, a person who is a friend one day might seem like an enemy the next. This is one reason why people living with BPD can find it hard to keep up with relationships. And I can attest to that. That's for, that's for the women as well. That's for the women as well. Signs of BPD in men. BPD can be different for men living with the condition as, than it can for women. The signs of BPD in men are not always the same as women. For example, men living with BPD may get very angry all of a sudden. They may yell or break things. They may be so mad that they feel like hurting themselves or someone else. People might say they have an explosive temper. Sometimes people expect men to act tough. They might not realize that a man living with BPD gets very, very angry. It's a sign that they are having a hard time. 
Men with BPD may get bored easily. They may find a need to look for new things to do or see a lot. This is called novelty seeking behavior. Women with BPD have this same trait, but it's more common in men. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense based on what I just said, right? So when I what I described as being a free spirit, clinically, it would be described as novelty-seeking behavior. I can definitely say that, okay? Okay. Um... <clears throat> Men living with BPD may have substance abuse disorder, substance use disorders, especially with alcohol. One study showed that about 75% of men with BPD also have a substance use disorder in their lifetime. Again, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. Anger, mood swings. Okay. People who have mood swings need mood stabilizers. So it would make sense that a lot of men that I've dated and known with had severe BPD and they all were alcoholics or they were all potheads. The inability to ground oneself or self-soothe is still there. And the way that men do it nine out of 10 times, if they're a working class dude or even a, a white collar dude, you know, they like to drink. Okay. Men living with BPD may have substance use disorders, especially with alcohol. This may be one reason why men do not always know that they have BPD. A man who misuses substances might get into trouble with the law. They could go to prison instead of to a place where they could get help for BPD, like a hospital or mental health facility. Between 60 and 85% of people living with BPD hurt themselves on purpose. It's called non-suicidal self-injury. One study... In one study, researchers looked at the type of self-harm that men and women with BPD did. They looked at 22 self-harm behaviors. Only two were more common in men than women. Headbanging and losing a job on purpose. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Women with BPD look for treatment more often than men. Women are more likely to take medicine or go to therapy to help with BPD symptoms. When men living with BPD get help, it is usually for substance abuse disorders. Okay. All right. So um, another, I, there was another article I read that said something to the effect of BPD is often also misdiagnosed with clinical depression in men, bipolar, in men, oppositional defiant disorder in men, and um, ADHD in men. So can you, I mean, just think about that for a second. Think about that. Think about how many men you know that have one of those four or five diagnoses. How likely it is possible that they might actually have borderline personality disorder. Now, in my opinion, one of the greatest hallmarks of uh, borderline personality disorder in men is the fragility of the ego. Now, an alpha male, and what makes an alpha male an alpha male is, is a male who has been tested and who has compete 
competed and who has won or who has worked with others to bring everyone up to the level of uh, winning. So, you know, you don't have to be the single winner. You can win with other people and still be the alpha, okay? I'm saying men who have been tested and who have succeeded are the alphas. Men who have been tested and who have failed and who do not try to succeed are the betas and or men who avoid being tested throughout their lives and those are also the betas sexual uh, pornography addiction is the perfect example you are very very rarely find a man who is sexually who has sexual prowess with women who feels the need to masturbate constantly or watch porn constantly. That man has been tested in terms of his skills of seduction or his social skills, or maybe even if it's unfortunately a power dynamic, not saying any sort of rape or anything like that is okay, but I'm just saying, you know, you also have to think of this in terms of historical, um, you know, who, when I say power dynamic, I mean like the rich ones, the ones, the kings, the lords, the serfs. You know, the ones that have something to offer that draw the attention of more women. Okay. They have, they're in a better position to choose mates. Okay. A lot of these men are emotionally immature with women. We see it with fresh and fit to some small degree. And I love Kevin Samuels and I love Andrew Tate, but we know that sometimes they really go, some of their statements are really, really overboard and they're very, very unnecessary. And it's not true like that for every woman. Okay. But they are trying so hard to divide what they consider the Madonnas and the whores. Okay. Either that virginal woman that's only had three partners before you, who's going to bow down to you, be a step for wife, do everything you say, because you make a ton of money and her life is infinitely better because of you. And of course you can cheat on her um, as much as you want, because you're the alpha male. And if, and, and there are many women who agree to that. There are, there are many women who are okay with that type of hypergamy because they want the stability. They want the they want the, um, the, the, the father taking care of their kids and they will do whatever it takes or ignore whatever they have to ignore to get through the marriage. Women have been doing it for thousands of years. Okay. Um, let me go into the next article. <clears throat> All right. So I'm super excited about this next uh, blog. I think that this one is less clinical and definitely more direct about the type of, uh, the type of fragility and anger and danger that is associated with male borderlines. Um, what I was just thinking too, is that as maybe as a bonus episode, one of these days, I can put a uh, crossover from my Red Pill Rage interview where I have an entire interview with a really great guy, um, Professor Poppy, about toxic masculinity versus lack of masculinity. And then we can get more into these male topics because I don't want you guys to think that I'm bashing the MGTOWs. I understand where the MGTOWs are coming from. I totally get it. 
okay? I know how women do men super dirty, but guess what? There's so many men out there who have done so many women so dirty, so many. And yet, okay, we are told to get therapy and the MGTOWs and the passport bros and the manosphere, they all get together and they don't have to get therapy. They don't have to get um, um, life coaches. They don't have to improve their physiques. They don't have to improve their teeth, their dental work. They don't have to do something about their bald spots. They don't have to do something about themselves being overweight. It's just okay for them to complain about women. And they have the same Madonna whore complex that, you know, men in like the 1600s had, you know, and then Catholic church, you know, <laughs> that same, uh, uh, scarlet letters mindset, you know, and it's like, guys, they need to understand if they want to seduce women in this modern day and age, not all women are trying to be masculine, but we are trying to be cautious. Gentlemen, if you're out there listening to me, if you're a MGTOW, if you're a passport bro, understand not all women are trying to be mean, have an attitude, but we are trying to be cautious. You really, you ridicule us for having sex on the first night. You ridicule us if you don't, if we don't want to. You ridicule us for making you want, for making you wait, but then you you ridicule us if we give it up too early. You say you want women to be your peace, but yet there's nothing peaceful about you yourselves. You are self-hating, insecure men who are easily going to become abusive down the line verbally physically or otherwise because you know you cannot compete with alpha male males and sigma males but anyway let's get into this this is um stefan's personality blog um this was a uh article from 2013 long time ago so, but the message stands true today. And I think you'll find that it stands even more true um, based on the whole explosion of the red pill philosophy, which I agree 90% with, but I also understand there is a, there is quite a bit of male borderline tantruming that is happening in the MGTOWs, Manosphere and red pill community. All right. Fragile and dangerous men with borderline personality disorder. The predator. Most people are familiar with the characteristics of violent men, either by firsthand experience or through news and true crime books and TV shows. We all know what they look like. Fearless, callous, thrill and pleasure seeking guys who take what they want and who get easily frustrated if someone gets in their way. It's, a, it's the familiar antisocial person ranging from the neighborhood thug who gets into fights when he is drunk to the full-fledged psychopath that entirely lacks empathy and uses other people for money, sex, and other benefits. And the prey. People with borderline personality disorder are a completely different breed. Their core features are their desperate need for love and lack of personal interpersonal skills. Hello, codependency 101. This is why we have to do these episodes so I can make you guys understand that these personality disorders go hand in hand with codependency. 
They fall head over heels in love with people they don't know the first thing about and then become disillusioned and deeply resentful when the other person fails to match their fantasies. They are emotionally unstable and vulnerable and they feel very hurt and betrayed when people, as they see it, let them down. Ladies and gentlemen, this is something I, Jenny, have to work on very frequently. I'm learning. It's, it's a process, trust me. They fear being abandoned and often threaten to kill themselves. Another typical behavior is self-harm, cutting, or burning themselves. Borderlines can often come across as poor and misunderstood, perhaps th because they genuinely feel that way and being vulnerable, they hardly evoke any fear in others. Their melodramatic gestures are sometimes pathetic or tragic, but then again, nothing that will scare anyone, but it should. Despite the soap opera error type behavior found in psychiatric literature, between 25 and 50% of people with borderline are boys and men, and males who are angry, jealous, and hateful tend to be dangerous. Women may think these guys with their frailness and tragic personas are intriguing and good projects for improvement. Oh my God. Codependency 101. We always want to be Captain Save-A-Ho or Captain Save-A-Bro. We're always doing that. We got to stop. We're people pleasers. We got to stop trying to save people. We got to stop trying to help people. Okay. That goes for everybody. A typical example of what they may look like comes from the musical genre called emo. Okay, and this is a fantastic metaphor. Okay, so everybody stay with me. As the name suggests, it deals with the emotionally intense feeling of romantic nature, often tragic and bitter themes. And, they, and like borderlines, they are often interested in self-harm and suicide. But bitterness and hate isn't just expressed by self-destructive gestures. In emo lyrics, you can often find passages that would suggest violence toward partners as well. Here are some experts from one or more of the popular emo, emo bands Fallout Boys song, Chicago is so two years ago. And here's the lyrics. My heart is on my sleeve, wear it like a bruiser black eye. My badge, my witness means that I believed every single lie you said. You want apologies, girl, you might hold your breath until your breathing stops forever, forever. The only thing I'll, you'll get is this curse on your lips. I hope they taste, me, taste of me forever. All right, with every breath, I wish your body will be broken again, again. Okay. While the emo isn't the only borderline male, it seems like a pretty good example. And like the lyrics above suggest, borderline violence isn't just directed at the self. A study, on a study on correlations of personality disorders conducted by clinical psychologist Joshua Miller and colleagues confirms this violent aspect of BPD. They had students fill in self-measures of personality disorders as well as other measure of, for instance, crime and violence. As expected, they found that crime was most strongly associated with psychopathy and also as expected, borderline was linked to self-harm. But perhaps more surprisingly, borderline was also strongly correlated with intimate partner violence, even more so than for psychopathy and narcissism. Damn, told you, the borderline male is dangerous because they're fragile. Self-measures 
may of course be exaggerated, especially when we are talking about people with a taste for drama. But other research confirms that this is for real. One study from 2007 by psychiatrist Donald Black found that 30% of new inmates in Iowa met the criteria for borderline. And another study from this year by psychiatrist Mark Schroeder and colleagues, again looking at the actual offenders, found a similar pattern with borderline being the second most common personality disorder after antisocial personality disorder of offenders who had committed both sexual and non-sexual violent crime Half were antisocials and a third were borderlines compared to a third most category of narcissistic disorder at a mere 3%. Given that borderline is rare in the general population, around 1% to 2%, it's clear that these individuals are very violent. Now, this is something I've been saying, ladies and gentlemen, I've been saying this for a long time. The ones that are going to gang rape you are going to be borderlines. The ones that are going to put something in your drink because they secretly hate you and they know they can't really get into your pants are going to be borderlines. The ones that offer you up to be a flying, the ones that are flying monkeys for, for real narcissists and real psychopaths are most likely going to be people-pleasing borderlines who will do absolutely anything to fulfill their need for love, friendship, validation, or acceptance. They will go to any fucking low to get it. They cannot sit in their feelings. They are, they are, they are impulsive because their need for instant gratification is out of control. Again, remember, these male borderlines are beta males. They do not and cannot compete with alpha and sigma males. And therefore, they have to fake it. They might be in the gym. They might have muscles. They might even be on testosterone. But you'll know whether or not they're a male borderline based on how they problem solve based on how they interact with others? Do they immediately go to name calling or are they able to actually sit in an uncomfortable conversation and hash it out like a real fucking man? They just lash out. Okay, so here we go. So it seems that the borderline personality is a large and rather hidden threat to women and possibly some men too, although women are usually less violent. No one seems to talk about these men. They rarely feature in the media or public debate. Maybe it's just because they are so fragile and look more like victims than perpetrators. Pointing the finger at these guys may feel like, kick, like kicking on someone who is already lying down, but they are not victims of anything but their own shaky grip on reality. And excusing them or looking the only other way will only make for more violence. Okay. Now... I, I'm going to put the link to my uh, toxic masculinity interview, and we're going to talk quite a bit about what we talked about tonight with, uh, with this male borderline thing. But I'm going to give you guys what real alpha males look and sound and behave like and how great the difference is, but how yet we as women, especially in modern society, we often overlook it, you know, 
sometimes we're, we think we're with a tough guy and they might be tough on the outside, but they're fragile on the inside. Anything can set these men off. You don't agree with them, it's a pro, it, it's an automatic argument. These are the guys that when you guys go out to dinner, these are the ones who um, begin to get shit faced drunk or they start drama or they start arguing or they got to one up everybody at the dinner table because they hate not being the center of attention. A real man, an alpha male, can let someone else shine, can let someone else have the mic or take the floor or take the stage because they're secure within themselves. They know they can compete. So they can, they can, they can allow others to showcase who they are because they're secure with who they are. All right. So <laughs> I think that's enough. I think that's enough. Um, uh, please go ahead and leave um, comments, leave ratings. I would like this to grow. Make sure that you subscribe. I'm going to have some exclusive content available for you. Um, probably some video content now and then. I'll probably do a nice um, deep dive of something. You know, I'm always open to suggestions. I have polls. I have Q&A. I have all kinds of stuff. So let's grow this Spotify channel. Let's grow the um, iTunes channel, Apple Podcasts. That's what they call it. And uh, on that note, you listen, codependents, you stay strong. Okay. Remember, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. We can heal. We can change. We can find love. And we can love ourselves.